Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger, we do it better, we do it longer, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Hushmo Black. Good Hushmo Black Forum. You got me Hushmo driving this train this, this evening. It's February 25th, 2017. Well, this year is just about, <laughs> well, I can't say the year is getting away, but this month is gone, that's for sure. Um, yeah, last weekend in February. Wow. You know, February is a short month. It's Black History Month, yeah. I don't know what that means, Black History Month. We only got one month of history, or what? Black people I'm talking about. I, well, that's what they say. I, I, hey, I'm just going by what they, what they, uh, what they tell me. Uh, I'm just following, following along. It's Black History Month, yeah. Got a couple more days. We uh, touched on it last week. I told you where it came from. Carter D. Wilson back in, the, back in the day. Started out being a one day, and then it progressed to. Uh, Somehow they gave us the whole month. I, I'm here to tell you, you can't squeeze uh, black history in one month. It, it can't be done. Yeah. Our history go back to the beginning of this uh, the rock that we live on. Oh, yeah, our history go back. Uh, got a book for you, Destruction of Black Civilizations, Chancellor Williams. Check that book out, yeah. You can give you an idea of where our history come from. Chancellor B. Williams, Destruction of Black Civilization. Y'all want something to read to bone up on our history? Yeah, check that Check that one out. Uh, let's see where we at here. This thing... Uh, Let's see, I gotta crank it up a little bit. Is that better? Because I can. I'm trying to uh, trying to uh, get my uh, my sound right, y'all. Something's something's wrong with my one of my one of my monitors. There's always the husband always have some kind of some kind of issues out here. We're gonna get it together for you. I got a great show for you this evening. You know, our motto out here is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. And out of necessity, sometimes we'll do it louder than anybody out here on Blog Talk. Uh, we, don't, we don't like to get loud. Try to keep everything on an even keel, but sometimes sometime we have to uh, crank the volume up just to get our message in. And in the age of Trump, in the age of Trump, yeah, we, we're going to have to. Uh, these boys right here, I'm going to lay this on y'all. These boys are here. I think they did this piece just for Trump, and I don't know that. But I think uh, y'all know anything about? I, you know, I'm not even familiar with these boys. I just got hip to them. But I think they did this for Trump. Uh, check this out, number. believe you. 
Cause we the people are still here in the rear, yo, we don't need it. You ain't killing off good young nigga move. When we get hungry, we eat the same fucking food. The ramen noodle. The simple noodle. It's so maniacal, reliable, the woman should you. The irony is that this bad bitch in my lap. She don't tell me she make money, she don't study that. She gon' give it to me, ain't gon' tell me nothing back. She gon' take the brain away, the place to sit on that. But do some signs with it. Don't try to rhyme with it. VH1 has a show that you can waste the time with. Guilty pleasure, take the edge off reality. And for a salary, I'll probably do that just sporadically. The OG Gucci was just sitting with the honor. The IRS will honestly, you think you're getting confident. Niggas in the hood living in a fishbowl. Gentrify here, now it's out of shithole. Trend set up, I know, my shit is cold. And set up, because I ain't so over there. Oh, bless The fog and the smog of the media, the lost false narratives of gods that came up against the odds. We're not just nigga rappers with the bars. It's kids with that we cosmic with the stars. You bastards overlooking street art, better get street smart, but you keep us on the charge. Some of the fucking numbers in your statistics. Fuck y'all know about true competition. It's like the A.O. picture on there talking about he hitting. The only one who's hitting are the ones that's currently spitting. We got to Missy Smith and rubbing on a little kitten. Dreaming up a world that's equal for women with no division. Boy, I tell you that's vision. Like Tony Roma when he hit and hitting. The tribe be the best in eight division. Shaheed Muhammad cut it with precision. Who can come back years later still hit the shot? Still I'm trying to move you off the fucking block. Babylon blood clot. Scoop on your head talk. Hey, uh, that, that uh, piece, uh, We the People, uh, put out, I don't know, uh, a tribe called Quest. I, you know, I wasn't even hip to those folks. I saw them on, uh, they've been around, too. They've been around since the early 90s, a tribe called, called Quest. Some heavy brothers. I mean, uh, I uh, like I said, I'm not a rap uh, enthusiast, but I do listen to some rap. I mean, I like like all music. Uh, but we picked up on them, uh, I don't know, believe it or not, a couple of weeks ago, Arsenio, not Arsenio Hall, but uh, what's the boy's name? Dave Chappelle was hosting Saturday Night Live and had them as a musical guest. And I, I got hip to them and went out and pulled out some of their stuff. And uh, just some heavy, heavy uh, stuff that they've been putting out since the 90s. I mean, 1990, I guess they first piece dropped. And, uh, yeah, a tribe called Quest. Y'all check them out. I, uh, that piece there, We the People, I think they just did that for Donald Trump. Talking about all you black folks, you must go. All you Mexicans, you must go. You know, of all the minorities in this country that people tried to get rid of, I don't think they ever uh, tried to get rid of blacks. Now, they did make a, a half-hearted attempt to get rid of them back in the day there when they, uh, some of us, 
So our forefathers uh, went off to Liberia to start a little African country of Liberia back in the 1800s. But no, they never tried to get rid of uh, black. Why would they? I mean, well, just think about it. Hell, they had them as yeah, my folks as slaves. They uh, they made too much money off black folks to try to get rid of shipping somewhere. Man looked around and had a cotton sack in his hand. All the black folks going back to Liberia. He said, hold up, we can't have that. We got to have somebody do the work. <laughs> Now, so yeah, what now they they've uh did a lot of crazy things, but one of them would uh, uh not in any kind of serious way uh tried to uh ship black folks out of this country. Hey, I made too much money off black folks. Uh, hey, I'm gonna tell you, I know. I'm gonna tell you that right now. They ain't trying to ship black folks nowhere now. The age of Trump, I don't know what's going to happen in the age of Trump, y'all. We, that thing, we, we, go, we just got to see how this thing will play out. But right now, uh, speaking of the president, he was at uh, this uh, conservative uh, gathering, CPAC, uh, conservative, I guess the alt-right or whatever that is, that took over CPAC, which means they took over the Republican Party, the party of Lincoln, y'all. The Republican Party talking about they the party of Lincoln. That's the biggest joke out. <laughs> uh, the party of Lincoln. Come on, y'all. Give me a joke. Give me a break. The Republican Party, they, uh, there's no way even close to Lincoln. The party of Lincoln. Uh, anyway, Donald Trump was down there talking about they finally got a president. This is the CPAC crowd. Uh, they got a president. What about the country? What does the country get? That's the problem. <laughs> that alt-right, alt-right crowd got a president, but what about the other 300 million people here in the country? What, what do they have? They got a, a freaking nightmare. That's what they got. They got a darn nightmare, y'all. Hey, just saying, y'all. Got it tall like I see it. They got a nightmare is what they got. We are. Oh, we advocate out there. Advocate for social justice. Advocate for justice. On behalf of Americans of African descent. Not because we don't love everybody, we do. We love everybody, y'all. Just by extension, we find ourselves advocating for that community. Lord knows. <laughs> uh, that community needs all the advocacy they can get. These are trying times, yeah. We don't know where the country is going. We don't know where this world is going. <laughs> I know it's spinning around. It's still spinning around. I don't know how much longer that's going to be <laughs> with the <laughs> folks we got in charge now. That might even come to a halt. <laughs> Dangerous times, y'all. We see where Vladimir Putin is uh, having a psychological profile workup of uh, our president Donald Trump before he meet with him. He want to know what's inside his head. That's fine. I'm not. No, that's a fact. Putin is having his people do a psychological write-up of it. The American president, Donald Trump, before we meet with him, we want to see if he can uh, 
figure out what's going on in his mind. I wish him luck on that. Trying to figure out what's going on in the dog man. But I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. In fact, I think it's a good idea for anybody running for president of this country uh, undergo some kind of psychological evaluation before uh, they're allowed to uh, get on that ballot. It just makes sense, y'all. Do it require a Constitution uh, amendment? Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. It makes sense. A person who... uh, uh, he's got the most powerful job in the world, control a nuclear arsenal that could destroy the world like 10, 12 times over. <laughs> Shoot. Don't you think that guy should be sane? And we should know, have an idea whether he's sane or not? Right now, people are having some serious doubts. I seen the other night. They had uh, some people that's in that business, uh, uh, some highly regarded uh Psychologists and the like who uh, look at folks and uh, try to determine whether or not they uh, mentally uh, fit uh, to just uh, carry on uh, just a normal life. And uh, they were saying that uh, they think this guy is uh, maybe psychologically unfit uh, to be president. Has a fine time to <laughs> fine time uh, to. <laughs> To uh, come up with that now, but yeah, it's it's a you know something to uh, to think about. I mean, if this guy is got some kind of mental uh, uh, hangups, and he, you know, the thought of it is really uh, frightening to just imagine. The, the thought of the president of the United States being mentally unstable is a scary, scary thought, y'all. He has some ba- uh, checks and balances within our uh, within our republic, but uh, uh-uh. that president of the United States, first of all, they control the military and the nuclear arsenal. Now, they say Congress is the only one that can uh, declare war. The president of the United States can start a war in a heartbeat, y'all. In fact, we're already in wars right now. Been in war since 2001, pretty much, since 9-11. We have been at war, and we're still at war. The president's powers uh, while we're at war is damn near unlimited what he can do with that military, y'all. So, I... I, you know, I, I try to advise my audience to uh, whatever they do, stay prayed up. <laughs> what, what, hey, whatever y'all do out there, Facebook friends, what's up? Stay prayed up. That's you know, that's the best advice that I can give because uh, little people have so little power when it comes to, although collectively. Uh, they're making quite a bit of noise right now. Little people lying in the street marching, y'all. They better stay there. <laughs> they better stay in the street, uh, making their voices heard because we're uh, we have got some serious issues going on here in this country. It's like a time I've never seen before, and I lived through separate equal, y'all. <laughs> when I came into this world, 
it's a whole different, uh, whole different uh, United States of America. When the Hushmo came along, uh, so we've got to stay engaged. We've got to stay engaged uh, with the politicians, y'all. This thing start at the uh, at the local level. We got to get out and get some of these uh, state houses changed from Republican to Democrat, y'all. We've got to do that. To balance this thing out because one party in control of both houses of Congress and the presidency can be a nightmare when you've got uh, a demagogue, <laughs> when you got a demagogue as uh, the president in both houses of Congress uh, in that part, same party, it could be crazy, crazy. Uh, we, hey, the genie might be out of the ball, y'all. <laughs> we try to. <laughs> The genie may be at the ball, y'all. I hope it's not too late. I pray it's not too late. I don't feel good about it. I tell you that. I don't feel good about this thing at all. There's nothing about it. I, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't like nothing about where the country is at right now, y'all. I'm just telling you like I see it. I don't, I don't like nothing about how the political... Uh, uh, What's going on in the political uh, arena? But uh, like I said, we're gonna stay prayed up, trying to fulfill the national security uh, advisor spot. Jerome McMaster's. All I hear is a pretty down to earth person, but I tell you, the president's where the buck stops. President, that's where that buck stopped, y'all. I don't care. Uh, he can have he. Well, I do care. You got to have good, good uh, people around you. But ultimately, ultimately, it's going to be that president who uh, is calling the shots. Now they've been talking about. I heard some pundit come up with the idea that. The 25th Amendment gives the vice president and, and some folks up there the ability to remove that president if they really think he's unfit or incapacitated in any way to do his job. That could be physically or mentally. Now they can, uh, he can be removed. He can be removed. Now, getting to that point is another story. Getting to that point is another story, but the vice president, there is a mechanism where uh, there's a mechanism where uh, he can be, the president can be removed. I ain't got much faith in that, that, that thing happening, but yeah, there's a possibility that he can be removed remains to be seen uh, whether anything like that ever come to pass like I said I wouldn't uh, I, ain't hurt, I ain't holding no breath I'm not holding no breath for that yeah Mm-mm. I got 
But uh, we're gonna we're gonna see. Like I said, we're gonna just uh, try to uh, do our best to uh, allow uh, this guy to govern. But I don't know. He's been in office a month every, uh, already. From what I've seen, I don't see. I don't see. Uh, I don't see too much hope. Yeah. I just don't see too much hope here. Yeah. Somebody might know more than me, but can put a better spin on it. But wow, I just don't know. All you black folks, you must go. All you Mexicans, you must go. Now, I can tell you right now, y'all, black folks ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. Where we going? We ain't got nowhere to go. We ain't got nowhere to go, y'all. But here, we've got to make our stand right here. We ain't going nowhere. That's out. That stuff you're talking about. But, uh, I'm looking at this puddle that really looks nice, uh, but I got enough golf toys. Uh, that's what I'm looking at golf, yeah. We, uh, my putting's been coming around here lately. When all else fails on that golf course, uh, you can uh, kind of, <laughs> hopefully, you can kind of, uh, Pick up your uh, putting game and uh, go from there. Pick up your putter. Uh, zero in on that thing. The tour read. I should, I, I, you know, I'll get me one of those. Maybe I can put it on my wish list, list for next Christmas, maybe. Well, I got, I got chillings, y'all. My chillings might uh, get together and Get me a uh, a putter from for Christmas. This thing costs up. This thing is expensive, you know. I don't know if I want to spend that kind of money on a putter. I'd be scared to spend that kind of money on a darn putter. I, you know, I, <laughs> hey, this, this is, that thing costs too much money. I'm rolling the ball pretty good with what I got. Oh, I'm rolling the ball pretty good. I, I can't, you know, I, I don't hit the, <laughs> the, the, the crowd that I play with. I can't outride nobody. I'm the shortest man in the <laughs> in the group and, and off that tee. But the longest ride, I'm always winning. Yeah. Oh, no. The longest drive. <laughs> The longest drive don't always win out there in that golf thing. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I, I I found that out a long time ago. Uh, gentlemen only, ladies forbid, so I should have a... Yeah, I, I found that out a long time ago. Uh, uh, the longest drive, oh, dude. That, that ain't always get you what you want, uh, what you have the outcome you want, just because you're in that ball 300 yards. <clears throat> oh, dude. John Daly, 
and just driving the ball would do the trick. John Daly would have Tiger Woods money. <laughs> if, if, that's, if just driving that ball a long way would, would uh, do the trick, John Daly would have Tiger Woods money right now. Don't know about to drive the ball any further than Big John. Uh, in his heyday, now he did, he did uh, win a British Open. But I mean, uh, of course, yeah, Big John has some. Big John like he like to live life to his fullest too. Now, <laughs> Big, Big John like to live large. This is all right. I mean, I ain't got to do it. That's the way we got out here, y'all. That's what kind of clubs we got. See what we can get. Let's go to putters and see if we can get some good putters. But yeah, he like to live large now. Uh, he, <laughs> Big John. Mm-hmm. All you black folks, you must go. to Donald Trump and CPAC. Donald Trump made a speech at CPAC yesterday. Sorry, I, you know, I picked up bits and pieces of it. And he down there telling him that he's the president. I mean, what? I don't, I don't know what what the rest of us are going to do if he's the president. They got... Uh, what's wrong with it? You know, the president is the president of 320 plus million people, yeah. He's everybody's president. Can't, we can't get rid of him, and he can't get rid of us. Once you assume that all, you become president over everybody. That's just a fact. Now, you may think you, uh, this group of people's president or that group of people's president. Uh-uh. That, <laughs> it don't work like that, yeah. It don't work like that. Barack Obama spotted in Manhattan yesterday, y'all. People went crazy. People went crazy, yeah. I think it was just a, a relief. I think it was just a relief. As a president. Just too long. I need a 33 inch thing. Yeah. That's just crazy. I need 33 minutes. I don't need all that craziness. Give me something that's 33 inches. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, he was up in Manhattan. I mean, he he never did get in front of the camera. I mean, he don't want to do that. He won't let this this character that's uh, president to have some space. Oh, he, he'll, he's going to speak out in town, I assure you. He's not going to sit out the by and not say anything. Not with the world imploding like it is. But, uh, hmm. 
not like the not like not not let the world implode like it is. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him over at the United Nations, but that's that's work. He needs some time off. He needs some time off. Yeah. I got an Odyssey 2 ball right here. I got an Odyssey 2 ball on this thing from. I got an Odyssey 2 ball. That's a good fella, too, y'all. I can tell you that right now. I'm just mumbling, y'all. Because I've got a lot of these fellas here. And you can, you can only use them one at a time. So, you know. You know. You can only use one at a time. All you black folks, you must go. Tribe called Twist, Quest. Some bad boys, you know. I just got hip to them. Now, they've been around. I, you know, I thought I was up on the music thing. But like I said, I don't get into rap that much. I mean, the Lord, I, I'm, I come to you from the ATL. The town's full of rappers, you know. And, uh, you know, I know the local ones. and But just in terms of just... Uh, I don't, I don't uh, deal with it like that anymore. I don't deal with it anymore like that. Uh, and there's some, there's some sharp. Uh, Tom Perez won the. Uh, He's, uh, he's going to be Labor Secretary. Tom, Tom Perez just uh, was uh, the uh, former Labor Secretary under Barack Obama. So he won the, uh, you know, Democrats was up looking for a uh, Debbie Schultz. I thought Debbie Schultz did a pretty good job myself personally. Now they gave us some flack. They let somebody else step in and influence the politics of uh, the Democratic Party, much like Russia. And uh, they got rid of her. Debbie Wasserman Schultz. I thought she did a pretty good job as a uh, That's just me, you know. I, you know uh, I thought she did a pretty good job. That's a tough job, yeah. Anytime you lean a, get head of a political party, it's a tough job. Uh, but Tom Perez, he uh, the uh, head Democrats just elected him to be uh, the head of the, the head of the Democratic Party. I wish him luck. I wish him all the luck in the world. He's going to need it. He's going to need it. Yeah, he needs some luck dealing with that uh, that job. I can tell you that right now. Oh, yeah. He's going to need tons of luck. I'm just checking Facebook out, yeah. Facebook is coming under some scrutiny. What's his name? What's the young boy's name to run Facebook? 
worth a zillion of dollars now? Zuckerberg. Uh, Zuckerberg. He uh, is getting to be pretty political. Well, you got money like that. You can be anything you want to be. <laughs> hey. you, you can be anything you want to be when you got people like that. He, uh, but he was making some noise about uh, his vision of the world, how he perceived the world. And like I see with the paper he got, he can uh, he can affect some change. He can affect some change, uh, no doubt. No doubt. I guess it's spring training now is underway. Uh, do we have we have the Hawks on again tonight? I didn't look at them last night because I, they just got back off that break and we got some new players in Atlanta. I don't know who these players are. Who are these? Who are these folks? Who are these folks here? We got to try to uh, let's record them. Yeah, we're going to record them anyway, because you know, I've been out of the game so long. Oh, how about a foul there, y'all? How about a foul? They ain't calling fouls tonight. Well, they stopped calling fouls in the NBA a long time ago, y'all. Y'all don't know? Oh, they stopped calling fouls in the NBA a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is this the new boy? Out here by Cephalosha, kicks it out. The Iliad's over. What about a foul? Wow, I don't know, y'all. We just We don't know. We got to we'll get back with that. Basketball thing. Um, Facebook friends, what's up? Hey, we got a free call into the high school black forum, y'all. One eight 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 five eight eight three eight one four. We don't take many calls out here. We will take a call from time to time. Uh, if you got something to uh, get off your mac- uh, chest, let us know. We'll uh, engage. We cipher things out here on the. At the Hushmo Black Forum, we break things down for you, try to make sense of things that uh, just don't make no sense. 
like this whole political mess that we <laughs> we're in right now. We're trying to break it down, but hell, it's more. <laughs> excuse me, y'all. It's more than than uh, the eye sometimes. You gotta wow. You stay on top of it, y'all. Gotta try to stay on top of this thing. Just stay at once like this. Last month. Wow. Hey, uh, well, we're going to get into this. We're talking about, folks are talking about Latinos and all these other people don't realize we're Latin, uh, uh, the term Latin American, all that stuff come from? They come from the Spanish, you know, the Spanish and the Portuguese when they start uh, dumping uh, folks out of Africa into uh, the Americas, you know, back in the 1400s. Yeah, because they was doing it at the direction of the Catholic Church. They was doing it at the direction of the Pope, Pope Nicholas II. Uh, it's the dumb diversity giving Spain and Portugal the authority to enslave Africans. And once they did that and started that uh, migration of Africans out of Africa uh, to the Americas, uh, it became Latin America because uh, they converted all the uh, natives to uh, Catholicism. And Latin was the language of the Catholic Church. That's where the term Latin comes from. There's no such thing as Latin, this or Latin, that, Latin, Latinos, all that's junk. All that's junk. All that stuff comes from the Catholic Church, y'all, because uh, the language of the Catholic Church was Latin. Latin. That's where the Latino, that's where, La- that's where Latin America, that's where all that stuff came from, the Catholic Church. Come on, y'all. You know anything about your history? So, yeah, don't confuse it. Uh, there's no such thing as Latin America. The only thing Latin about uh, the countries down there, they was enslaved by the Catholic Church and uh, uh, took up uh, the language of that church. Yeah, they spoke Spanish, but the church official language was Latin. Where it come from, y'all. Check your history out. Uh, yeah, we just thought we just had a little blurb on the thing on the internet. There's somebody that said Democrats need to stop playing blacks and Latinos against each other. Ain't no such thing as Latinos. Really, ain't no such race as black. <laughs> ain't no such thing as a black race of people either. Y'all. Uh-uh. That's out. That's 
Domenico Mia raises a construct. <sighs> hey, uh, welcome to the High School Black Boy. We're rambling on here. We done got past. We done went right through a break here. We're going to take a pause for the call to y'all. We'll be right back. Y'all hanging out. You got me, Hushmo. We'll be right back. Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back to the Hushmo Black Forum. I, I apologize. I <clears throat> didn't get back with you here. Uh, just talking about uh, this is the last uh, week in uh, Black History Month, and uh, uh, we're going to uh, share with you our uh, take on uh, our little two cents that we try to contribute every year to Black History, and that is reparations. Uh, I wrote two books, uh, The Water Boy, The Life of Trials of Jimmy C. Cameron, and then uh, Racism and Hate in American Reality. You can have uh, find these books on my website, hushboblack.com if you're interested in uh, checking them out. But uh, reparation is my main pet peeve uh, when it uh, comes to uh, race relations in this country or what what, what not. Uh, I advocate for reparations not because I hate anybody. I don't hate nobody. I advocate for reparations because uh, Americans of African descent was injured uh, during uh, the separate equal period that lasted almost 100 years after the Civil War was over, after the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment was uh, included in the Constitution. So my take on reparation is somewhat unique uh, from all the other uh, advocates. And I, now, I, like I said, I, you know, I'm for anybody who advocates for reparation for Americans African descent. And I was, uh, Tennessee Coates is a, uh, uh, one of the young persons, I think he's 35 years old now, but he was 32 when he wrote this article for Atlantic Magazine. And while reading an accident interview with uh, President Barack Obama, conducted with Tennessee Coates, uh, discussing the pros and cons of reparations, it, it occurred to me uh, that the argument for reparations has not changed very much in the last 100 years. The argument that we put forth, black people put forth for it, has not changed. And my, my my take on it is that the thing that get uh, that, that um, trips trips us up when we start talking about reparations is the fact that we still tie it into uh, slavery, and I think we lose that argument the moment we do that uh, uh, tie it into slavery. We lose the argument for uh, reparations in this country dealing with the powers that be. Because remember, uh, slavery occurred in this country uh, during a period when slavery was written into the legal document that uh, the that is the Constitution it was uh, written into uh, the Constitution. So there's no way to, uh, in my mind, to. Uh, to uh, argue uh, a case for reparations based on uh, slavery. It was legal. And it was legal written into the highest document of the nation. Uh, you see, it's kind of hard to, uh, furthermore, I believe uh, it's a, a moral thing that was satisfied with that civil war. Now, this is my own take on it. get a little heavy, but I, uh, each of my books, I dedicate a chapter to reparations. Uh, uh, a whole chapter and everything I write I'll always uh, uh, write about or include something in there about reparations because I think not just for black people uh, but the country uh, at large uh, uh, would be better off when uh, that debt is satisfied and it is a debt y'all it is a debt uh, that uh, the country owes this is I I recently uh, I was trying to get this in uh, at my school here before uh, 
Black History Month ended, but I was talking to the student coordinator uh, at the school, and she's going to get me something to do, uh, uh, some kind of program we're going to try to get together and present my argument for reparations at, at my school. And uh, I, I kind of condensed um, the two chapters out of my book into uh, an updated version of it. Uh, this is the foreword of uh, the essay, Framing Reparations is the title of it. Framing Reparations. The foreword uh, starts out like this while reading. An exit interview with President Barack Obama conducted with Tennessee Coates of the Atlantic Magazine discussing the pros and cons of reparations. It occurred to me the argument for reparations has not changed very much in the last hundred years. The The central failure in the case for reparations has always been the conflation of the immorality, the sheer flagitiousness of the institution of slavery. Flagitiousness, y'all. That's a heavy word. Y'all check it out. Uh, Of the institution of slavery, with the injuries that a free people suffered after the Civil War and the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments were added to the Constitution. Complaints regarding violations of these amendments that handicapped Americans of African descent makes the case for reparations strictly a legal one and not a moral one. That's the gist of my argument. That if you're going to make an argument for reparations and tie it into slavery, the first thing uh, the powers that be tell you that slavery was a moral issue, cannot morality cannot be legislated. Case closed. You ain't got no argument. There's nowhere else to go. So I, when I make an argument for reparations, I try to leave slavery out of it altogether and concentrate on a legal, uh, uh, a legal uh, uh, take on it. Uh, reparations is strictly a legal one, not a moral one. Accordingly, the demand for reparations for America of African descent is a legal claim that has already been adjudicated and decided in the affirmative by the Supreme Court of the United States. Period. Is the architect of uh, the demise of Jim Crow because that's what that's what this is about. That's what my argument is about. The separate equal laws that are, that was put in place after the Civil War. The architect of that. One, Mr. Charles Hamilton Houston, which I just briefly mentioned, you all probably never heard of. A lot of you for Black History Month need to find out about Charles Hamilton Houston and the uh, uh, tremendous impact this guy had on uh, black lives in this country, in the country itself, Charles Hamilton Houston. Charles Hamilton Houston put it this way, the fight for justice should not and cannot be an isolated struggle. All our struggles must tie together and support one another. We must remain alert, engaged, and push the struggle further with all our might. That's Charles Hamilton Houston talking back in the 1930s, y'all, when you had blacks on different sides of uh, uh, what it was going to take to move uh, black uh, people uh, forward in the society, still under separate equal and the likes. You had the Booker T. Washington, you had the W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, the William Monroe Trotter uh, uh, takes on 
how to best uh, 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 the Marcus Garvey crowd, and you had all these different factions fighting for uh, and on behalf of uh, black people. All of them had their own separate uh, ideas about what it was uh, uh, we needed to do to move forward in uh, this uh, segregated uh, uh, racist society that uh, 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 we were in at that uh, period. Here come Charles Hamilton Houston along and said that just because we have all these different factions, uh, we can't be pulling, uh, uh, we can't be operating in uh, uh, such a way that we were all going in different directions. We had to tie all those arguments together. We had to tie all those arguments together. It can't be an isolated struggle over here with W.E.B. Du Bois over here with uh, Booker T. Washington over here with Marcus Garvey over here with Monroe Trout over here with whoever. We've got to tie all those arguments together. Time together and strive uh, uh, and, support, and support one another and just move forward. Uh, and he did that. He did that to a great degree. Charles Hamilton Houston, like I said, uh, if one thing you want to do is check out his history, uh, Google him, Charles Hamilton Houston. Uh, he was dean of Howard Law School. He was dean of Howard Law School and that started in 1930, I believe. His first class, it consisted of, well, his most famous class that he graduated in 1933, while he was dean of Howard Law School, consisted of Thurgood Marshall, Oliver Hill, and uh, some more notable attorneys, but just those two, Thurgood Marshall and Oliver Hill. They went on to join forces for the next 20 years to uh, bring down uh, the separate equal, the Jim Crow doctrine, the Plessy versus Ferguson uh, doctrine that, uh, that, uh, so uh, injured uh, uh, black people. Yeah, Charles Hamilton Houston led that march. He was charged of the uh, NAACP legal uh, uh, fund, or legal arm back then. He started it. He put the NAACP's legal arm together to fight uh, discrimination, to fight uh, against Plessy. And I'm just going to read from my essay here. Uh, framing reparations. It says, nothing seems to point to the problem and remedy for addressing our reparations problem. So succinctly, then a quote from Abraham Lincoln. The dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate to the stormy presence. Let us disenthrall ourselves. As Abraham Lincoln talking, that's yeah, <laughs> our stormy past. Uh, uh, the dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate to uh, the stormy present. So let's stop talking about slavery, y'all. That's what I'm saying here with that quote. Let's stop talking about slavery. Slavery is over with. The Civil War was fought. 600,000 people lost lives. That was the morality part of it. That was the conclusion of the immorality part of slavery in my mind. That's my take on it. That's how I I see it. The immorality part of slavery ended when the man upstairs got involved and brought about that civil war. <laughs> and brought about the uh, 
demise of uh, the institution of slavery. Today I'm going on with my uh, framing reparations argument. Today I believe we're at a critical crossroads of sorts at a junction in our history where the forces that were at play during the Civil War have merged into opposites. The Republicans of Lincoln's day was in fact the progressives and the Democrats were the ultra-conservatives who wanted to hold on on to their property, including the slaves, at all costs. The causes and the devastating effects of racism and discrimination in our country lie not just on the backs of the people, but also squarely on our government, whose laws validated the practice. This sea change which has taken place in our politics should heighten our urgency for seeking reparations today. This pressure shift in the political structure necessitates the need for a new approach to our problem, a new paradigm. We can no longer allow the government, we can no longer allow the government to group us in with the various minority groups in the country that have been declared since the affirmative action laws of the 1960s. These laws have served to marginalize America's Iraq descent in their plight for redress, redress for injuries suffered because of 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments violations that took place prior to 1954. The Brown versus Board of Education decision in 1954 was the legal remedy for this injustice. However, because the course was not petitioned at that time for financial reparations, none was awarded. This neglect on the part of the legal team representing the victims in this case do not in any way remove the states and the federal government from liability. The sheer flagitious nature, the sheer flagitious nature of the crimes ranging from discrimination to murder negate and negate any that's the beginning, yeah. That's the beginning. Any statute of limitations claim. The affirmative action laws of 1965 woefully, the laws. The affirmative action laws of 1965 were woefully inadequate. Were okay. Were woefully inadequate. Americans of African descent was grouped in with other such groups as white females, Hispanics, Asians, and other minorities that migrated to this country after the Civil War had ended in 1865. The pot, the pot for the so-called affirmative action dollars that was doled out since 1965 has been eaten up by, for the most part, the largest segment of this group, which is white women. White women make up about 75% of that group. Thus, they have taken about 75% of the affirmative action dollars from uh, the program 
programs. Since it was I started back in just it was started back in nineteen sixty five. So white people wound up with the so called reparation dollars for the crime they themselves committed. Perhaps my thinking is not in Rouglay of French for mainstream, but set forth a new approach to the way Americans of African descent should press our case for reparations. First, I believe we need to set up a class action for all those Americans of African descent. The African descent crossed that out. Born prior to May of 1954, asking the Attorney General of the United States to go back and look at that Brown v. Board of Education case uh, of that year and demand financial reparations since the court found 14th and 15th Amendment violations extended throughout our society. Some of those 14th Amendment violations prevented American efforts sent from economic uh, parity in the workplace through denial of equal pay, denial of such job classifications of denial of certain job classifications as well as denial of access to various trade unions. The same Jim Crow laws also seriously limited their ability to acquire real estate properties such as the 46 million acres set aside in the Southern Homestead Act of 1866. This denial of land in the Southern Homestead Act of 1866 is the very genesis of the economic inequality that exists in the country today, y'all. People, uh, as another thing, we know uh, most black folks know very little about the Southern Homestead Act of 1866. That is the bedrock of our of my argument that I put forth. A fourth year is the Southern Homestead Act of 1866, which set aside 46 million acres in five southern states for uh, the blacks who had uh, recently been freed uh, uh, at at the end of the Civil War. This was Lincoln and the Republicans doing, setting up that Southern Homestead Act. Lincoln got killed. Lincoln got killed. The whites uh, uh, of the South, especially, went. Absolutely, oh, ape shit. Excuse the French. Uh, uh, because of, of that, uh, the Homestead Act of 1866, the Southern Homestead Act of 1866. Y'all need to pick up your history books, go Google it, and find out about it. What happened to that property? That property stayed on the um, books for ten years, y'all. The complete story of the Southern Homestead Act can be found in the book by Michael L. Lanza, titled Agrarianism and Reconstructive Politics, the Southern Homestead Act. American African descent was also prevented from purchasing property in residential areas through restrictions placed on property deeds, stating that the property could not be sold to anyone of African descent. Please see Exhibit A attached. I believe the denial of real estate was the most egregious of these violations. Their voting rights were, were abridged with the uh, various voting schemes enacted after the Civil War. The Voting Rights Act of today that the Supreme Court just ruled on, eliminating Section 4, 
I believe it has to do two things to correctly address the problem. First, it has to say to the states that was covered under the act that no American rapper in a sense who was born prior to 1954 and was party to a class of people who were directly injured or exempt from any new uh, state voting laws. Second, each state must now fully guarantee each of its citizens going forward equal protection under the 15th Amendment. The problem is no financial, the problem is no financial reparations was never rendered to those directly injured, namely American African descent, and the, and the country has been grappling with this injustice ever since. There was a great deal of pressure put on Third Group Marshall and his team not to petition the court for financial reparations at the time to just accept the civil rendering. This includes the so-called integration of schools. Looking back at History some 50, 60 years later, we see not only did the governments of most of the southern states ignore even the civil mandate of that case until well after civil rights marches, sit-ins, violence in, in our urban centers, clear up until 1965 when the federal government instituted so-called affirmative action and voting rights laws intended, I suppose, as some sort of leveling of the playing field. These actions were not sufficient. In fact, when we examine the affirmative action laws we find during the last 40 years, they have benefited whites far more than Americans have actually seen. Secondly, we should, should take that same group's case to every state that had separate but equal laws on the books at, at the time that Brown versus Board of Education overturned those laws in 1954 and petitioned for financial reparation from each one. After recently rereading the debate between Michael Erickson Dyson and Carl Korn at the University of Pennsylvania sometime in 2003 before the Supreme Court decided the affirmative action cases brought before it concerning admission policies at the University of Michigan, it occurred to me that this is exactly the problem with us allowing ourselves to be linked in with all the other affirmative action groups that was created in the affirmative action laws of 1965. Here again, we should have gotten financial reparations back in 1954, but because we didn't, the so-called affirmative action laws of the 60s was an underhanded attempt to move that, to move in that direction. The problem occurred had a tip to move in that direction. The problem occurred and got worse and more convoluted. The problem occurred. Yeah. The problem occurred and got worse and more convoluted when we were lumped in with the other minority groups who were not injured by the separate equal laws. We should have simply told the Supreme Court in that case that we were not just black people getting preferential treatment based on their color to get into the University of Michigan, but in fact we were Americans of African descent part of the 1954 Brown v. Board of Education case that found we had
We have been injured by 14th Amendment rights violations that extended throughout the society, both socially and economically, for over 90 years and is entitled to financial reparations and whatever other social remedies, including righting the wrong of, of discrimination that existed in our education system here in this country. This is what the Supreme Court said in the Plessic case in 19... This is what the Supreme Court said in the Plessic case of 1896 that upheld the separate equal laws of the country. The doctrine known as separate equal was solidified into federal law in 1896 in the landmark case of Plessy v. Ferguson. It is the main reason why we make the argument for reparation for American Africans set today. In that case, the U.S. Supreme Court voted 8 to 1 against Homer Plessy, who had sued for equal protection under the 14th Amendment. The majority in the case, as written by Justice Henry Billing Brown, stated, the object of the 14th Amendment was undoubtedly to enforce the equality of the two races before the law. But in the nature of things, it could not have been intended to abolish distinctions based upon color or to endorse social as distinguished from political equality. This is Supreme Court uh, uh, dealing with Plessy, y'all talking about <laughs> the 14th Amendment did not mean that we had equal uh, rights uh, in society. That's pretty much what it says here. And, and that thing right there, that little statement right there, y'all, took blacks out of American society in a way like nothing has ever done before. Uh, the object of the 14th Amendment was undoubtedly to enforce equality of the two races before the law. But in the nature of things, it could not have been intended to abolish distinctions based upon color. Oh, so you're saying one thing, you're coming back and, and completely wiping it out. Could not have been intended to abolish distinctions based on color or to endorse social as distinguished from political equality. What, is, what, what are you saying here? If one race be inferior, this is this Judge Tanner here uh, uh, interjecting his uh interpretation of what the 14th Amendment meant. And when, if one race be inferior, so he's assuming that the black race is inferior still. This is the garbage that was going around then. If one race be inferior to the other socially, the Constitution of the United States cannot put them upon the same plane. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it meant for black folk that we uh, was uh, se uh, separated out of white society back then. In the workplace, in the school place, in the public place, everywhere. We could be separated based on our color, based on our African uh, descent, period. And that was the law. That law, that's what the separate equal was about, yeah? The ability of, of the state's uh, governments, the federal governments, to separate us out of white society. 
to put us in a different uh, class of citizenship in direct violation of the 14th, 15th, and 13th Amendment. Yeah. That's what it did. That's what it did until Brown overturned it. That's that's our injuries. That's my in, that's my case for uh, the injuries, and we suffered a lot of injuries uh, uh, during that period. Yeah. Oh yeah, the denial of the forty-six million acres uh, is key. That was the start of it. Uh, what happened there with that forty-six acre, uh, million acres? By the way, uh, they repealed that uh, Southern Homestead Act in uh, eighteen seventy-six and returned forty-three million acres of property back to the federal government here in the South without uh, distributing it to blacks who should have gotten it had they got it. We wouldn't be talking about this economic uh, inequality today. Had we got the 46 million acres of property that was due uh, uh, black folks back then, yeah? that property was legally due black people back then uh, in 1865. They took it away. It's as simple as that. They took it away through the separate equal laws, the uh, Jim Crow laws that denied them access to that property. And we were never able to assimilate into white society on a, a sound footing because we had no real estate to uh, 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 anchor to anchor us to uh, uh, the country. We had no real estate to anchor us to the country. Not like the uh, Homestead Act of 1862 that populated the western states out there. That Homestead Act stayed on the books, and uh, uh, like 240 million acres was distributed uh, throughout the years to mostly white people. Some few black folks got some land out that way, but mostly white people uh, got that land out west, Oklahoma, Arizona, Utah, you name it. The Southern Homestead Act covered everything west of the Mississippi. It stayed on the books. Uh, no white people ever complained about the federal government giving that land away. Uh, wasn't there in the first place, but that's another story. But uh, that Southern Homestead Act that was uh, geared toward the ex-slaves, uh, they scrapped that. They had a fit. They didn't want black folks to have uh, uh, anything. This 40 acres of the mule is nothing but a sham, y'all. Forget that junk. Anybody start talking about some 40 acres of the mule, tell them to go to hell. That ain't nothing but a sham. The 46 million acres set aside in the Southern Homestead Act was the rightful property of the ex-slaves. They should have got it. They did. They repealed that law in 1876 and turned 43 million acres back over to the federal government. That land eventually wound up in the hands of a rich uh, uh, corporation, the Georgia Pacifics of the world. Come on, stop all that crazy stuff. Talking about some 40 acres in a meeting. That's junk. That's something that they pushed down and had black folks believe in. That we would do some 40 acres in the meeting. We would do. My ancestors was due uh, the 46 million acres in the Southern Homestead Act. Everything else is crazy. That would have provided a, a anchor, a real estate anchor, a real L- Hey, black folks at that time, by the way, in 1865, you know, I, I get all this from my family's history, too, by the way. My family history here, uh, go back in this country to, uh, to at least 1752, way before the Revolutionary War, way before this thing became a United States of America. My family was here as slaves. 
My family was here as slaves, y'all. It's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, that uh, Plessy thing uh, uh, took uh, blacks out of uh, white society there altogether and allowed the southern states to continue with the separate equal laws up until the long descent, by the way, uh, in that uh, Plessy case was uh, John Marshall Harlan, who said this about it, the long descent. He stated this, 12 words, uh, our Constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens. That was his argument in dissent in that Pleasant versus Ferguson case. He proved right. Those 12 words may be the single most powerful dissent ever to come out of a Supreme Court ruling. Indeed, the Supreme Court in 1954 in the Brown v. Uh, uh, board ruling agreed with that powerful dissent and stated that separate equal was inherently unequal. Inherently unequal. We believe our demand for reparation is strictly a legal one that the United States Constitution bear witness to. We believe our demand for reparations is strictly a legal one that the United States Constitution bear witness to. Absolutely. 13, 14, 15th Amendment. Bear witness to the fact that uh, our rights was trampled on with the uh, uh, separate equal laws with the Pleasant versus Ferguson law. What happened in 1954, this is just a write-up. This is just the framing of my argument. I I tell a story about my family's history here to to put a face on it. My family history is a microcosm of uh, millions of black stories here in this country. Uh, And and, and, uh, my family is from a little, uh, uh, from all over Georgia and Alabama, but my father's folks come from Troop County, Georgia. My parents, my mother's folks come from a little uh, county, uh, Chambers County, Alabama, which is where that property, some of that property was, by the way. Uh, Chambers, Harrison, Harris, and Lee County all around that place there. Opelika, all around that area is where some of that 46,000 uh, uh, acres was. Uh, when the Civil War was over, my family was set free here in Georgia. They had 95% of the skills uh, in the state. They did 95% of the skilled labor in the state of Georgia in 1865. 95% of everything from bricklaying to uh, clearing fields, planting the crops, picking the crops, building the buildings, uh, everything. 95% of the labor was done by my family. They had the skills to do it. They had the skills to tame that 46 million acres of property had they been allowed to uh, access it, and the white folks knew that. They knew that. That is why they put in all these separate equal laws that forbid them or uh, hindered them from accessing that property. Separate equal laws. Uh, uh, oh yeah, we're gonna get into it in my uh, argument for reparations. I cover all of that, y'all, and get into it in further, uh, a great, uh, greater detail. Uh, this is just a. Uh, this is just a uh, outline of uh, the beginning of my argument for it. 
I know the history of. I dug the history up. My family is the history of it. My family, uh, 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 my family's history uh, tells the story of uh, reparations. <laughs> my family history tells the stories of uh, story of reparation, y'all. Absolutely, and it's a powerful story. That uh, uh, that's why uh, I advocate for reparations on a legal basis. Nothing to do with morality. Like I said, it's hard to make an argument for morality uh, for slavery because slavery was legal in the document that we have to go to to uh, try to extract some kind of uh, uh, reparations uh, for. Satan was a moral thing. My ancestors prayed to God Almighty to uh, eradicate that uh, institution. And he heard their prayers and uh, brought on that civil war. Yeah. That was the man of Sarah's work. That wasn't Abraham Lincoln. That wasn't Robert E. Lee. That wasn't Jefferson Davis. That wasn't no man. Um, uh, y'all don't know better than that somebody. Y'all don't know if y'all still thinking Abraham Lincoln and Robert E. Lee were uh, instituted and fought that war that killed 600,000 people, 500,000 white people, another 100,000 blacks. You think man did that? Absolutely not, y'all. It was a much higher power. <laughs> it was a much higher power, y'all. That's another story that we could, that I could share with you. But uh, framing reparations, y'all. That's my little uh, black history uh, uh, contribution. I'm going to frame it so you can, uh, so people can make sense of it. I'm going to frame it so you can make sense of it because it's important. Not because uh, we hate anybody. We don't. We don't. We don't have to hate anybody to demand uh, justice. The nine white farmers up there in Connecticut in 2009 who sued uh, for reparations based on their race. They didn't hate anybody. I didn't accuse them of hating anybody. They took that thing all the way to the Supreme Court, y'all. And the Supreme Court awarded those eight white firemen reparations. Said they had been discriminated against based on their race. And one of the cases they used as a precedent was the 1954 Brown v. Board. The 1954 Brown v. Board, which said that... uh, Discrimination based on race was illegal. Now, if they can use that as a precedent in a work case, you can't, we can't allow uh, somebody to tell us that Brown was a narrowly based uh, a case based on, uh, based on school uh, desegregation. And set aside Plessy because Plessy didn't have anything to do with school uh, integration. Plessy had something to do with uh, 14th Amendment violation protections that Homer Plessy was uh, uh, arguing about. So, you, you know, they, they, you can't have it. The country can't have it both ways. They can't tell me that Brown was a narrowly based case based on uh, segregation or uh, integrating schools. No, uh uh-uh. Brown overturned Plessy. Plessy uh, codified the separate equal laws, the Jim Crow laws of the South, into federal law. When the firemen sued the state of uh, Connecticut, 
they used Brown v. Board as a precedent <laughs> for their argument. The Supreme Court agreed. Stop it. Stop that craziness, y'all. You can't you can't come over here and tell me, at least me, you can't tell me, make some argument about how narrow a decision Brown v. Board was. And then uh, over here, give these people reparations based on their race because they were discriminated in the workplace. Well, we have been discriminated in the workplace for 100 years. And injured for 100 years in all parts of society, not just the workplace. So, yeah, Brown overturned all that stuff, y'all. Brown, uh, so we don't have to do any relitigation. We ain't relitigating nothing. We don't have to. It's already been uh, uh, litigated. That's what Charles Hampton Houston and Thurgood Marshall and Oliver Hill and Spicewood uh, and Robinson did. That's what they did for 25 years from 1930 to 1954. They brought case after case after case case, uh, dismantling the several equal laws. Now, Charles Hampton Houston had the foresight to see that the easiest way to uh, dismount Plessy was to go after the higher education institutions because you can't separate uh, uh, separate equal out by itself because once you overturn any of it, you overturn all of it. You overturn all that stuff. Because ah, anywhere separate equal exists, but it's in the school place. Of the, and when the, Brown said that separate equal is inherently unequal, it's unequal throughout the society. It's, out, it's unequal on any way you look at it, not just uh, <coughs> school, <coughs> school uh, 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 segregation, but separate equal, if it's inherently unequal, it's unequal in any facets of society, and it, and it is. So, yeah, what we need to do going forward, y'all, is petition the court, petition the Supreme Court, uh, the Justice Department to go back and look at of that 1954 case and uh, demand our reparations, our legal reparations for the injuries that we suffered, plus especially those Americans African descent born prior to 1954, they was directly injured. I was directly injured. I lived on the separate equal here in Georgia. I attended a segregated school in 1951 in Henry County. I was injured. I will forever hold uh, uh, the memory of me, my first day of school, y'all, down there in Henry County in 1951, passing by a brand-new white school with sliding boards and swings and stuff, uh, going on past that school to this run-down black school in uh, McDonough and uh, looking for uh, the swings and the sliding boards. I didn't find them, y'all. I found a dirt hill out back where we slid down that darn dirt hill on a piece of cardboard. No sliding board or swings in sight. Y'all had a tire top to a dirt tree. We swinging out on that thing. <laughs> hey, y'all. It's almost funny, y'all. It wasn't so crazy. Hey, we got a free call into the Hushville Black Forum, y'all. 888-588-3814 talking about black history, y'all, and the framing of framing reparations. We have to frame it properly to get people to listen to our argument. Uh, slavery ain't got nothing to do with it. We ain't talking about slavery in my argument here. I don't even want to mention the word slavery. It's not for 
just to uh, uh, to uh, add context. But no, nah, my argument is the legal one. 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment violations is uh, my argument for reparation. It's been let, uh, litigated. It's been litigated. All we got to do is uh, ask that court for reparation. Can't separate it out. There ain't no narrowly defined anything. If it's, how do you put it? If it's uh, inherently, if it's inherently uh, uh, if it's inherently uh, uh, unequal, it's inherently unequal throughout society. Uh. Come on. So we put forth our argument. We're going to hope to. Hopefully, we'll be getting it out. I see. I see. I got to clean it up a little bit. I, I'm glad I, I went back through this thing. I've got to go back and uh, correct a few of these things. The sheer, sheer flagitious nature, the sheer flagitious nature of the crimes ranging from discrimination to murder negate any statute, any statute of limitation claim. Yeah, that's heavy, y'all. That is heavy. Translation nine was war. This neglect. This neglect. Just a fact on the part of the legal team representing the victim in this case to that man. Move the states and the federal government from liability. Just give the judicious nature of the crime right from discrimination. Hey, uh, we uh, that's when I got carried away. I get carried away every time I get involved in this thing. You're just uh, looking at the craziness of what we've been through as a people here, and not been uh, 
uh, reparated properly for it. And this is a serious issue, yeah. We don't have to do any marching. We shouldn't have to do any relitigating. We don't have to do anything. All we should have to do is petition that court and make this argument, frame the uh, argument properly, frame uh, the reparations argument properly. Uh, it's about a legal uh, uh, issue that was settled, that was the settled law. This is settled law, period. It's settled law, y'all. I've got to call my friend. <laughs> I've got several friends in the legal business. i got to run it past a couple of them to make sure that we can uh, present this thing to the people of this country. I don't trust this Justice Department, not with just Jeff Sessions heading it up. I don't trust him as far as I can spit, y'all. I don't trust him as far as I can spit. Supreme Court agreed with the eight firemen up there saying that uh, you can't be discriminated against uh, based on your race. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> That's funny, y'all. Uh, that is so funny. One uh, American's African descent have been discriminated against based on their race pretty much ever since the country was formed, but uh, based on just uh, dealing with my argument from the 14th Amendment uh, uh, since the Civil War for some hundred years after that, they have uh, been discriminated against in the real estate uh, access that uh, harmed us financially. And uh, we've got to be smart about it. All of our, like said, like Charles Hamilton Houston said, all of our uh, advocacy has to uh, uh, be tied together. This fight for reparations should not and cannot be a nice later struggle. All our struggles, all our advocacy must be uh, tied together and support one another. I support Tennessee Coast. I support. Uh, Randall uh, Robertson, uh, I support John Conyers, who's introduced the bill in the Congress for the last 40 years, uh, talking about uh, reparations and the like. Uh, why is it that uh, all of our all of our uh, 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 arguments and advocacies for reparations on behalf of America? It has to be tied together. We've got to move it forward. Yeah. We've got to remain alert, engaged, and push this struggle further with all our might. That's what I'm about. That's what I'm about for the rest of the days that I'm here on this earth, y'all, making this argument uh, to the powers that be, speaking truth to power, speaking my truth to power. And, uh, we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done because it's, uh, uh, we've got uh, a right on our side. We got, we're on the right side of this argument. It's one of the things that Charles uh, Hamilton Houston uh, figured out, that uh, we can make our argument based on the Constitution, 
based on the Constitution, you know, the Constitution is our witness. The Constitution, we believe our demand for reparation is strictly a legal one and that the United States Constitution bear witness to. Yeah, so we, you know, we, <coughs> that's our argument. That's, you know, that's a simple, it's a simple argument, but one which really get lost in the, the, uh, uh, conflation of, uh, the argument for slavery, the argument for reparation for slavery. We, we don't want, I mean, it's fine, it's fine to, uh, you know, to keep the slavery uh, phenomena in the public uh, uh, persona so that they don't forget what uh, the moral uh, implications of it uh, and the like. But in terms of legal financial reparations, that has to be a legal argument. That has to be a legal argument separate from the moral argument over here about uh, the the judiciousness of uh, the slavery institution and that whole thing. Eh, I turn it over to the man upstairs. I turn that over to the man upstairs, and uh, I think he dealt with that in that Civil War. I think he dealt with that in that Civil War. So the man now to hold up to his bar- end of the bargain, which is providing uh, uh, the proper uh, reparations for those who uh, were injured uh, uh, in the the days after that thing was over, if anybody was still, if you injured anybody after that the war was over, that's up to you. It's up to man because you got he got the Thirteenth Amendment put in the Constitution because Lincoln that war would have never came to an end without the enactment of that Thirteenth Amendment. That's what Lincoln was having nightmares about. Y'all y'all read Lincoln's history? Go see a movie of Lincoln or whatever. He was having nightmares in uh, January 1865. Y'all try to figure out why that Civil War was still dragging on when hundreds of thousands of people had died uh, in a, the bloodiest war that the country's ever seen before then insisted that Civil War 600,000 people died. We ain't had another war like it since. All the wars put together don't equal the amount of uh, people that was lost in that Civil War, y'all. All the wars that this country has ever fought don't equal the lives that was lost, and there was a reason for that. <laughs> there was a reason for that. There was somebody else guiding that thing. Lincoln had to go to his Daniel. Uh, <laughs> he had to go to his Daniel uh, uh, <laughs> help to find to decipher that dream that he was having, the nightmares that he was having. Trying to figure out why that war was still going on when all those folks had died already. There was no reason for that war to continue except for the eradication of that slave institution and the enactment, putting that thing in place, that 13th Amendment in place in the Constitution, guaranteeing that there would be no slavery uh, uh, in this country. If you're going to claim that this is some kind of country built from divine intervention, if it's built on divine intervention, you cannot have slaves in this country, y'all. That's a no-no. You can't invoke the man's name and uh, the construct of this country and then have slaves over here that you uh, uh, do humanizing 
and talking about you some kind of Christian. Stop all that craziness. You ain't no Christian. You ain't nothing. Hey, y'all, uh, don't get me started. Hey, we're going to take a quick pause for the calls here, y'all. Uh, it's about, wow, we've been rambling on here, y'all. Uh, get Hushbone driving the train this evening. Y'all hang in there. We'll be right back. Close this thing out. Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmore Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back to the Hudson Black Pool. Just getting back to my reparation argument, a little thing now. I say that the Brown v. Board of Education was not just about school integration. You could not separate the separate equal laws, the Jim Crow laws that existed on the plastic codified in the national law out. When they said that separate equal is inherently un- unequal, that's throughout the society. You can't just tell them to separate those things out as if, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's crazy to assume that you can. Uh, and if somebody t- uh, tell you that uh, we can't petition that court today, because of some statute of limitation, that's out. Statute of limitation, statute of, uh, limitation doesn't exist uh, for genocide. And hundreds of now thousands of blacks was killed, hung, drug out, mutilated, you know, uh, Emmett Till, the story of Emmett Till. Hundreds of blacks, hundreds of now thousands of blacks was murdered under the separate equal laws, and nobody was punished for it. Murder and nobody was punished for it, y'all. So no, there's no separate statute of limitation on our uh, the time that we can petition uh, the court for rep- reparation. Those born prior to 1954, there's no statute of limitation on that. That's a no-no. You can't uh, uh, you can't uh, put a statute of limitation on genocide. Hey, you can't do it, y'all. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is, y'all. Hey, we, uh, what are y'all doing for Black History Month? Y'all, uh, <laughs> y'all pick, uh, boning up on your Black History? Hey, educate yourselves to it. Check out your history, you know. I mean, Hear something the Hushmo say out here that you don't think is right? Check it out. I mean, investigate it. If I tell you that uh, the sky is falling, you're going to look up at least. You, you know, whatever you hear, check it out and validate it. I mean, check different sources, check dozens of sources and see if uh, what I'm talking about out here is not right. If you, you know, think my argument is not valid. Check it out. I mean, talking about reparations, y'all. That's what we're talking about out here on the Hushville Black Forum this evening. We just, uh, it's all pet peeves. That's what I advocate for in my advocacy uh, for justice. Not because I hate anybody. Hate ain't got nothing to do with it. Uh-uh. I stopped hating people a long, long time ago. I don't hate nobody. I love everybody. That's just a fact, yeah. I got a drop date on my Spanish class, y'all, coming up this Tuesday. I'm not hearing it as well as I should be. I don't know. Well, you know, as you get old, as you age, your hearing uh, uh, deteriorates. And I'm not, I'm having a hard time hearing the language. I, I'm, you know, I'm 
understanding what's going on pretty well, but I don't test well in it right now. I may have to pull out of this thing come Tuesday. Uh, I may have to drop this thing by Tuesday. That's the drop date. <laughs> if y'all, y'all college students out there know what drop date is, that's that's my drop date, the 28th of February. So I gotta, I gotta pray on this thing a little more. I pretty well I got my answer back. <laughs> I might have to pick Spanish back up in the summertime, y'all. Hola, como esta? Hasta luego. I uh, it's been my pleasure, y'all. Y'all come back and see me next week, same time, same station. It's March, though. We'll be in the March, y'all. First, second, third, fourth, fourth of March, y'all. We'll be right back here the same time. Every Saturday from seven to nine over Blog Talk, over Blog Talk Radio, y'all. Y'all come back and jump with us then. Until then, we're out of here. Ciao. The Hushmo Black Forum, advocated on your behalf by covering news and events affecting the African American community. Check us out at the Hushmo Black Forum, www.blogtalkradio.com.